Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There's a cat over here. There's a cat, There's a cat over there. A cat. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to the Wrong Cat Die, the podcast breakdown of the cast catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing guest. He was the rum tum tugger on the U.S. National Tour 5 and started the tour. So welcome, Stan Stanley. Thank you for joining me. Uh, it's a great to be here. Thank you for having me. I uh, I got introduced by your Mistopheles, so I always, you know, there's such a connection between those, your, your characters. So I think this is kind of fun to have you on the show. Uh, yes. But let's, yeah. let's start at the beginning. This is uh, always an interesting question because you're like, around right around the movie when the movie came out so it's like that 1998 movie came out you're going on tour in 2000 2001 ish yes what was your introduction to cats had you been aware prior to the movie or were you like what was the first viewing for you i had been in love with the music from cats uh for probably 15 20 years prior to me Mm -hmm. auditioning for the show um, the community theater group that I grew up in would take a trip or the adults would take a trip to New York every year and see the new shows. So 82, 83, 84, somewhere, you know, when the show was just uh, getting, getting started, uh, the group had gone and came back with rave reviews of this, you know, very unique sung through danced through show. And they brought me as a little souvenir because of course I was at home uh, the vocal selections from cats. And okay. so I played the piano from a young age and I would sit and play through that at nauseum, I'm sure. And was particularly obsessed with the song up, up, up to the heavy side layer for some reason. But so before I saw the show, I was very uh, drawn to and intrigued by the music. And then in high school, my high school marching band, uh, this would, I'm, will age myself, but around 1990, 91, took a trip to New York. And that was the first time that I saw the, you know, still running original production of Cats in the Winter Garden. Um, and so, you know, it really piqued my interest. It had always piqued my interest, but then I finally got to see it live. And my one funny memory that I always think about that is, you know, of course, I was looking as a singer. I was primarily a singer. Mm-hmm. Um, when is Grizabella going to belt that high E flat? I'm ready for it. And then the intermission came after Little Memory. I now know uh, was Little Memory. And I thought, 
where, where's that high E flat? What, what are we even doing here? Then I, of course, sat through intermission and, and was able to be uh, very pleased by the, by the end of the show with big memory. Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because the first time I saw it, too, memory was the only song I knew uh-huh. uh, of the show going into it. And, I, and they kind of tease you with it, yes. with little memory. And I'm like, huh, I remember that that song being a lot more powerful and had the same kind of reaction. Exactly. And I was like, oh, no, wait, this, I've, I've seen enough theater at that point to be like, wait, this can't be, this can't be it. Like, this has got to be a right. tease. But yeah, they do kind of kind of hit you with it. So, yes. so you're in high school at that moment, but you're introduced. You weren't invited to the adult trip, right? Like, no, it's kids, I wasn't. Kids, kids don't get to come. Okay. Nope. Adults only. So you got, and this is, you know, this is what is pre-YouTube, pre all this stuff. You're, you're bringing back a cassette tape with the vocal selections, and I don't even remember that. I, I guess probably so. It would have been a cassette tape. I just remember that I had the the like uh, the piano book, easy the book. Piano, okay. The vocal selections from, and so I sat down at the piano and played. And of course, that's only you know probably a, a quarter or a third of the music that's actually in the show was included in that little book that I was given. Yeah. I sure did learn those songs. That's awesome. So you, so you knew all the music going in, and then you got, to, you finally get to see it in high school. Yes. And then w- when do you audition for this? Like, how did that come up? So I moved to New York City in uh, March of two thousand and one. Mm-hmm. Uh, just you know, now looking at it, just prior to September eleventh, mm-hmm. and um, I just started hitting the pavement and going to all the auditions that I could. And I, and I had gotten hooked up with a really good vocal coach uh, whose name is Stan Tucker. Randomly, he's also from Tennessee, uh, but he had a, a rich history with a lot of the Andrew Lloyd Webber shows, I think with Cats, uh, I think uh, maybe Starlight Express even, and for sure, a mm-hmm. uh, long history with um, a Phantom of the Opera. And so I was taking voice lessons and audition coaching with him. And he would always check up on, you know, what auditions are you going to this week? What are you, what do you have going on tomorrow? And I said, well, they're doing a new cats tour and I would love to be in the show, but I'm a dan- you know, not that strong of a dancer. And he had me sing some Elvis Presley music for him <laughs> and said, I'm going to call who I now know is Kristen Blodgett and tell her you're coming. And I walked into the audition for the first time, and that's how that all got rolling. So he did he pick Elvis because of he knew you were going to send you in as Tugger. Uh, yes, he thought that that was the role. You know that if any in the show that I would be suited for. Um, my I had a, you know studied voice in college and was you know a kind of a legit musical theater singer. My voice uh, tended to um, work well with like rock opera, uh, the Who's Tommy. Uh, Jesus Christ mm-hmm. Superstar, were shows I had done previously. And um, so I didn't really, at that point, realize that there was a, a character in Cats for me, but he recognized that and sent me to the audition. And So was Tugger in your book growing up as a kid? No. I, so you, if, yeah, so you're not it, familiar, it was, right? I wasn't really drawn to it, strangely. Okay. Yeah. So you're less familiar. You're walking into this audition. Did you give like like it obviously fits your vocal range and it fits kind of your the the singing piece that you, piece that you can do? Yeah. How much of it was like uh, was that your personality? Like was it a did you have to kind of dive into that aspect of this? Well, it's funny. It's 
which came first, you know, I'm not sure. I, 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 I think of now as my personality, I, I think it was, I was really typecast into the role. Um, but at the time, that's really not how I considered myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after playing 700 performances, um, cause I did the show for two years. Um, th- after that, I completely thought, Oh, that's definitely my cat. I mean, he's a little mischievous. He's a little, you know, crazy, um, you know, likes a good party. And so, um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's how so that came about. Were you Tugger before? Or did you become Tugger throughout <laughs> did, the two years? Or did I become Tugger? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's fun. So, okay. So when you're in the audition process, mm-hmm. how much of this, like I, as someone who does not ever been in an audition room, um, mm-hmm. even in high school or anything else, just never have done this. Mm-hmm. How much of this are you given of like, all right, I, I need you to be able to make sure you can just dance a little bit. Cause you got to dance. You got to do some of this part. Here's what I need you to sing, but also here's the personality you're going to have to play. Like, what are you told in that specific space? Well, I have learned that the audition process for, um, has, has been very different for a lot of different people, even with the, mm-hmm. the cast that I started with, I think. Um, but for me, um, I remember us learning the choreography to the very uh, last minute or two of the opening number. And um, which, a- and then after learning that and getting that a little bit in our bodies, they really encourage us to let ourselves kind of have a lot of fun with it and be, um, that was probably where I was introduced to the term felinity was by Richard Stafford in that original audition. Um, and then from there I, I went to several callbacks. Um, and I don't really remember during the audition process being coached on acting like Tuggerwood but they did always have me sing an Elvis Presley song. Interesting. Um, okay. So, you know, and that involved moving of the hips, I guess, and kind of like a, the general demeanor or that, that Tugger would bring, you know, to the show. And uh, it wasn't until we really started the, the rehearsal process that they started kind of explaining more of the character, character arc and, you know, the background that you, you've learned so much about Mm -hmm. honestly listening to some of your uh, podcast episodes yeah it's it's it is a little bit of like a game of telephone at this point with with the cat's lore so okay so now you get cast and you're the this is the beginning of this tour this tour for like 10 plus years i think right so this is the first group what are you like what do you remember about that like first around the horn of like here's the story here's this and i really want to know like what as someone who saw it someone who grew up with the music what was the moment where you're like, wait a second, this is about what? Like, this is my character here. Like, what was those aha moments? Honestly, I think, I, I don't know, a, a funny memory, jumping ahead two and a half years after I left the show. One of my best friends on tour was our hair and makeup supervisor. And he continued with the show after I left. And they were in, and I had, would, had moved back to New York. And um, I went to see David Hansen. Um, with the cast in somewhere in Connecticut, uh, rode, rode the train up and Richard Stafford and Miss Blodgett, Kristen Blodgett were in the audience. And I remember going over to them and saying, you don't really realize you're such a part of such a classic, you know, phenomenon of a show mm-hmm. until after you are not a part of it anymore. Yeah. Because that was the first time that I had seen, you know, it was the replacement cast, the guy that replaced me, um, as Tugger and, um, I, I really, I remember that being very impactful about, wow, I was a part of this huge juggernaut of a show. Um, but then, so backtracking then another uh, 
two years when we started rehearsals, I was very overwhelmed by the this role in particular uh, because, one, I just didn't think that I was quite a good enough dancer. And then, as you know, two years prior, three years prior, the VHS of the taping of the, like, Cat Superstars, basically, was what that cast yeah. was, in my opinion. And their tugger danced the whole ball and, you know, did all this stuff. It was just tremendous, tremendous. And I knew that I had the vocal chops for it. I was not intimidated by that at all. Um, but I thought, am I going to be able to, you know, we McCree O'Kelly, this dancer from Atlanta Ballet, and Shiloh, who had done the show in Germany, the, you know, our two lead dancers, they were, I was blown away by the talent. And I thought, am I going to be able to live up to that? So I didn't really get into the, the headspace of, um, what the character Tugger was until probably a month or two into the run. Cause I was so you know concerned about the logistics of being here and doing this and singing this and making sure my riffs were right. And, and then finally, once it, you know, sinks in, I've heard you talk about the Atlantic city run was a, a abbreviated show. And um, I remember in, I think it was Charles. No, it was a Raleigh, North Carolina, Wherever we'd started the full version of the show, and then a couple of weeks after that, I remember sinking in and talking to some castmates about, that was the first time I had been comfortable enough to talking about our different character, you know, um, relationships and who dated who and who, you know, whose kitty was belonged to who and yeah. things like that. That's so interesting because it is like, I always forget, and when and it's a show that has that such a polarizing piece, because I've heard the reverse of what you're saying. You're saying, like, hey, can I do the dance numbers? I know I can do the singer. I've heard the singer, or the, the dancers, who are like, I know I can do the dance numbers, but, like, do I have the vocal chops to do some of this and to, to, right. to be in there? And it's kind of a different piece where there's, that's that's a show that's, like, there's a lot of shows where you could just go out and sing and then walk off stage and, and vice versa. And this show, you, you don't get that luxury. No. So I hadn't even really thought about the idea of what you're saying, which is like, I'm ignoring the story basically until I can make sure I hit my marks and I'm not going <laughs> to like kick somebody in a, a, a spin or, you know, all these other things that you got to solve doing this show for the first time. So right. that's super interesting. So, okay. So now I want you to fast forward though, to okay. you start having those conversations. Right. What, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, what are the things that are coming up from Tugger's standpoint? And when you're on the bus and chatting through those. Right. Well, and I've heard, you know, you discuss on, on prior episodes, is it the cats, is your character leading these relationships or is the actor, the friendships that you are making on tour, mm -hmm. uh, which, which is, re, which is leading the, the relationships. And I'll have to say, um, you know, as it has turned out, some of my better friends on the road, um, were the character or the, were the actors that my character as Tugger interacts with more on stage. Obviously hmm. Tugger and Grizabella have some type of past. Um, and our, my, both of the Grizabellas that I work with Gretchen Goldsworthy and D Rossioli were, those were two of my best girlfriends on, on the tour. Um, the relationship between Tugger and Mistopheles, um, you know, and, and from the practical you know, point of view, I started thinking, okay, well, we obviously have a great uh, uh, respect for him because I seeing his number 
and, you know, the, the Mr. Mistopheles number. But then is that, you know, I'm able to master that and know that I'm doing a good job of singing and presenting his big dance number. And then I was able to ease into, okay, well, why is Tugger singing this? You know, why of all the people, Tugger is, you know, so aloof and so here and there and you can't peg him down. Why is he so, you know, enamored, as it were, with Mistopheles? Um, so that... Um, I also, as a as a, a singing actor, was always in um, had tremendous respect for the the best dancers, and so I was definitely drawn to um, you know the the bigger dance roles, Mistopheles, obviously, and then also uh, you know Victoria, um, and you know some of the other key dancers, Pounceable, I uh, Tugger, my Tugger, always liked watching Pounceable dance. Um, just because I think it was something that he knew that he couldn't do. They were good at, maybe he's more of the star of the show, but he likes throwing a little attention to those, the, the little kitten dancers. Yeah. One thing I think that's interesting that you're saying, and I've, I've thought a little bit about, and I, I don't, don't know the answer to it, but it seems like more recently, I think there's a little bit more flexibility in casting. Like they're just mm -hmm. in general, like, uh, okay, maybe this person can be a little bit shorter or this person can be there and they don't have to necessarily match the personality. Whereas I think when you were doing it, they were a lot more of like, all right, I think this person embodies Tugger more or embodies Mustafa's more, embodies the character more. And then when you think about it from that lens, then you should be better friends with the ones that they expect you to be better friends with, because that would be the way like the characters are kind of built around. Right. And there's also a little bit of the, like, we're recording this on a Sunday. I, I was watching football before we started. Mm -hmm. the offense is going to be more friends with the offense and the defense is more friends with the defense because you spend more time together. So if you're next to that person on stage, you're probably spending more time with them in general. Yes. Um, yes. But it's, I, it's, it's so fascinating to me though, because the fans like, look at this of like a, wait a second, you shouldn't like those two shouldn't be pawing each other. And, and it could just be like, you know what you, you had a great conversation on the bus before. And all of a sudden it's like, no, you're gonna have some fun on stage. Yes. Yes. That's, uh, I think just the logistics of rehearsal kind of dictated who I was friends with, at least at first. Now, once you get on the road and you're all, you know, traveling together every week, then, you know, you get to know everyone else, but there, it, I look at it as they cast, there's, it's, it's a, a troupe of dancers and five singers with mm -hmm. Deuteronomy, Gus, um, Tugger, Grisabella, and well, I guess Jenny Anydots is a big singer in our company. She covered, Grisabella, um, but also Jelly Lorem. So those were, you know, cats that primarily were hired from the singer pool. And those, I had more rehearsal time with them at first. So I was naturally, and also, I don't know if anyone has introduced this, but on our tour, you know, the cats are numbered. Um, I was number five, I believe, or six. I don't think I knew that. Oh, you've not, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's Deuteronomy is one, Grisabella is two. Then it's Mistopheles, um, Gus, and Tugger. So we always shared the dressing room. They was not it was not randomized dressing rooms, at least on our tour, and that was for two years. Um, so yeah, we were always next to the same people, and that's just who I became friends with first. How did the numbers like? What did the numbers mean, and how did they come about? Oh gosh, there was probably some lore about that that I've. It's been a it's been a minute, <laughs> but. Yeah. Um, well, I would guess that it was like the the order of, you know, star power in the original company is what I would think it was. Mm. Um, Ken Page, you know, I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I honestly, I'm not sure, but I do know that they, they they were numbered, and it wasn't just some random. And, and strangely, it was the the guys were first. Insert Grizabella as number two, and then the women started with the numbers. And I think their first after Grizabella was probably Jenny Anydots, and then Jelly. Interesting. Gore, so, yeah, that's super interesting. I hadn't heard that, and I don't. I mean, I'd love to. I'm curious if I can. Does anybody that knows send me a yeah, message? Yeah, you should track, like, track that information down. And that yeah. is not Stan Stanley's opinion. That was a yeah, real, yeah. That was a real thing. Well, I yeah. I mean, there's always the like, how does that? Who came up with it? Is there some thought behind it, or is it just somewhat randomized? Because like, I even go back to you know, if, if people have listened to the show from the beginning, my first ten-ish episodes were me going through characters, uh-huh. and I thought like I was trying to just go through characters in the order that they showed up um on the like this a song and i realized that was grossly out of order you know so it's like even mine i'm like i don't know i just picked this person first i thought they were first and then i realized i was totally off so there might be less thought put into those numbers than than we think it could could it could have been you know the the um the costumer or the robe you know uh decided that but that's there were numbers and that was who i was friends with at first strangely yeah yeah that's really interesting that's again a different piece to it we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll be back for more of the wrong cat died okay i want to i want to fast forward to what are some of the relationships that you feel like you either created or really leaned into uh on tour once you got through that be kind of beginning of and now you know hey here's i'm i'm ready for the dancing i'm i'm now going to start thinking about is this my Girlfriend, boyfriend, right. kitten. I'm going to make this character, I'm going to live in this character more. Um, one of the first big ones that I remember really um, focusing on was Tugger's relationship with Monkastrap. Uh, mm. I think that I had been told that they were probably brothers, but I'm not positive that I was told that. I could have, you know, discerned that myself. Um, the first Monkastrap I worked with, tremendously talented Grant Turner. Um, and around the time, I, I want to say that this came into, you know, the rehearsal process when we were in our previews in Atlantic city. And, um, so, and strangely Grant and I were assigned to be suite mates in the hotel that we were staying. Mm-hmm. In. So we got to spend a little more time together. And then I was, you know, told, you know, you guys, your characters are probably brothers. And then I remember one night we were practicing our makeup in the hotel room. Cause we all, you know, we did our own makeup yeah. and we, Grant and I realized that our birthdays were one day apart, August oh, wow. 11th. And at the same time realized that we had true story, like matching birthmarks on the, on our back, just a little, wow. like a random little birthmark. And so all of that really went to, you know, told me this is a character that you need to invest some time and thought into your relationship mm-hmm. stage. And that's kind of an easy one now that I, once I knew about it, it's very easy to see. We, we introduced Deuteronomy. They're kind of two of the, you know, main older gentleman cats in the, in the tribe. It made a lot of sense, but that's the kind of thing that when I was singing through the music, you know, at age 10, yeah. uh, yeah, you don't get any of those things. I, I, no, I didn't get any of that. And when I saw it in high school, you know, I was so, you know, disappointed that I had stopped at little memory yeah. that I, I wasn't getting anything about the monk strap tugger relationship. Totally. But that was certainly one that I, I put a lot of thought into at first. And then, um, as different, you know, on tour, you are going through not always the same actors playing the same part. 
people have to swing out for illness or something. Um, there might have been, you know, a rather serious injury and uh, someone else was playing the role. And that was always fun for me to play with, especially once I felt very confident in Tugger. Um, then when someone, a new actor was Muckastrap, I felt very uh, confident in kind of leading the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, for you know what is the relationship with them of course uh, it's fun to hear someone else's take on it too but i was kind of the especially the second year i was on tour um a little bit of an elder statesman of that particular company yeah. and that was i know i got a lot better at that particular role year two when yeah. some new new, new new dancers came in mm-hmm what about the Mustafa's relationship? You know, this one's infamous and yeah. Yeah. How'd well, you think about it? I think that it's, um, well, you know, we always shared a dressing room. Uh, my first, uh, Mustafa's, we were roommates together at the beginning of the tour. Well, and at the, put together as roommates at the beginning of the tour and then chose to stay roommates throughout. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was listening to his, uh, episode earlier today, preparing for this. And, you know, he and I dated, you know, Per, uh, personally, um, for the whole year that we were on tour, which was wonderful to have a companion on tip because, uh, despite the fact that you're around, you know, a company of 50, uh, technicians and actors, orchestra traveling around, sometimes it can get a little isolating and lonely because mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're never going home. You really don't have days off because we would fly on our days off. Um, so that, that was a very nice relationship. He and I are still really good friends. Um, but so which came first, you know, did I, did I invest in the, the character of because of the actor? Um, but I think from just simply the characters, I think, um, Tugger is very confident in his abilities to, um, you know, be a ladies man and, you know, Tomcat about town. And he knows he's, you know, good looking he knows he's kind of sexy he knows he's um funny um and he doesn't really he's kind of bored with a lot of other characters i think but mistopheles had and he's magical his costume lights up he flies in from the you know the rafters he can make explosions happen on chazen and in the end he is able to you know bring deuteronomy back and so i think that that's just i think that it takes that type of character to really impress tugger Mm-hmm. So that explains why he would be so into Mistopheles. Yeah. I think it's, it's fun for me because there's like, it's such a lore of, are they together? Are they not? Are they best friends? Are they actually dating? And then here you guys dated off stage, you know, like yeah. A, a, yeah. what yeah. makes adds, adds to it. You know, it's just kind of like a, a piece of that puzzle. So everyone who argues and on, on that behalf, here's more fuel to that fire. Yeah. Also, I think, um, both as a character tugger and as an actor, Stan, as primarily a singer, I was always, I, I think I mentioned earlier that the best dancers always caught my eye. Mm-hmm. I just thought that is something. And sometimes they would say, oh, I would give anything to be able to sing like you. But I knew that I would love to be able to do those turns in second. I mean, yeah. I've never been able to do that. So um, anyone that could, you know, draw my attention like that as a, as the actor Stan and as the character Tugger, I think, you know, we were naturally attracted to that type of talent. Yeah. That's so fun. Um, I want to hear some stories from the road because I want to start with Atlantic City. Because okay. it seems like, you know, you did two full years of this. Like, there's yes. some chaos that goes around. Like, things don't go right. There's some <laughs> nuances. So, let's start yeah. with Atlantic City. But what were some of the memorable moments from your two years? 
Okay. Well, Atlantic City, I've heard you mention, you know, that it was a little chaotic or that it was a lot of craziness. And I don't remember that exactly that way, except okay. just there was a lot going on. I remember we were exhausted from, a, you know, a month of rehearsals. And then we have in, in New York, then we come into Atlantic City. We are, that's the first time that we're actually, you know, staying in it. It was a nice hotel, but we're staying mm-hmm. in a hotel room. And that, you know, you have to get used to that. And then I, for some reason, thought, oh, once we get there, we're just going to have time off. We're going to be able to, you know, go out to eat and go to the beach. No, 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 no. We had rehearsals every day. And, um, or fight rehearsals or flight rehearsals or whatever rehearsals there may be, that we were, they were experimenting with new ways to take um, the orchestrations, new ways to present that. We had mm-hmm. a lot of rehearsals with that system uh, before we went out, you know, actually on tour. Um, so I remember that as being a very fun time, but I don't remember it being that chaotic. Uh, okay. But it was a lot of work. Yeah. Um, then we'd go on tour, and my biggest memory of the first several months of actually being on the road uh, was that we played Nashville. I think October, November um, of that year. So fairly early on in the tour. And I had just moved from Nashville in March. So when I came back, um, you know, this was a a tremendous, like first big role for me. And it happened, Mm -hmm. I think because of good timing, uh, the age I was, it happened very quickly. And so there was a lot of hype around me coming back to Nashville. And it kind of made me, it kind of freaked me out a little bit. I remember getting up at like four in the morning and being whisked off in a limousine to go do the talk shows and go to the radio and then go sing with this band. And um, they had given us a certain amount of media training and I thought it was very fun, but I also was still just very much getting used to playing that character, which a couple months prior had been a little bit overwhelming for me. So add that to the big hometown crowd and, you know, being on the, doing all the advertisements and it was um, a little overwhelming. And then one of the shows, one of the performances in Nashville, you know, uh, it, uh, Grizabella hits the high note, she gets chosen and the tire floats up and then the uh, heavenly wagon floats down and that didn't work in one of the performances in Nashville. So I had a house full at Tennessee Performing Arts Center of, you know, the hometown crowd. And there was a major technical uh, kerfluffle, as it were, in the show. And I remember that kind of throwing me for a loop a little bit. It was it was very nerve wracking. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you're essentially the face of the show at that point in, in town. And in, in that your... particular city, I, yeah. I was. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh... that's, that's, you know, that's that's a great problem to have. I'm really yeah. complaining, but that is an early memory that, that really stands out. Um, then we shipped it to the West coast. I think, um, we were in, um, California, uh, on nine 11 and that really, uh, changed one, how we traveled. I don't think we changed the schedule of the show cause we were scheduled to be on the West coast, mm-hmm. uh, Portland, Seattle, San Francisco, um, for a couple months there. And so, but rather than fly, we bust, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, was fine. It was all, you know, it was relatively local. And I remember the first time, pretty sure the first time we flew after September 11th, we flew out of San Francisco 
And I'm someone mentioned on a previous episode, but we were always flagged for lots of extra searches because it was such a large group and yeah. we were flying one way. And, um, so the airport days were hardly a day off. It was very, very taxing. Yeah. I, um, I want to hear a little bit about when you switch between not you switch, but like between mm-hmm. year one and two, you have mm-hmm. a, you definitely have some turnover at that point because mm-hmm. you have like, it's usually a one year contract and mm-hmm. we, you get a lot of people that do multiple years, but you mm-hmm. get a bunch of new cats to work with. So yes, when you like how much of the relationships that you played with year one cats, did you try to bring into year two or how much did you try to create as new with the new performers? Well, I remember we tacked year two. I don't even sure. If, no, I think we stopped performing for a couple of weeks, but we mm-hmm. did the new rehearsal process or combined the casts in Biloxi, Mississippi, again, with an abbreviated version of the show. And, um, I remember really loving that process because I had gotten my, you know, tugger legs under me, so to speak. Yeah. I felt, I knew that I was, you know, I, I was been told that I was doing really well. I, you know, we would get reviews and I, things were going well. Um, but it's a tiring, you know, t- touring is very tiring. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was like new energy all of a sudden coming in. And, um, so I really enjoyed it. I know some of the other, uh, carryovers from, uh, year one, some of them maybe wanted things to be exactly like it was the first year. And, but I've always been someone that kind of enjoys that type of, uh, the, that climate of change, um, just personally. So I remember just being kind of enriched by this new energy. And I don't really remember trying to, uh, thrust upon any of the new cast, uh, old relationships, unless it's something that is, you know, dictated by the piece itself. Yeah. They're like the Tugger, uh, Mistopheles pairing. Yeah. Um, we, there has to be some relationship there or there, it just makes no sense. Um, but then of course, when your boyfriend leaves yeah. and you have someone else and that you do not know, um, and, and Ryan Jackson and I grew to be dear friends and we are still friends today. That was my second, the, the Mistopheles year too. Um, but that's, I was tried to be careful not to force anything that wasn't yeah. already there. So at first I'm just making sure my vocals are solid for his, you know, big number. And then eventually we've got to be, you know, very, very good friends. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is kind of an interesting piece because it is, you know, you, you have the, almost, I would say a rhythm at that point, like at the yes. end of the year, cause you're, you're, it's still new. It's theater it changes every day, but you've kind of got, you've got the most part and you're improving a little bit as you need to go, but then you almost start fresh. You do. Like it's the same show, but it's not cause it's all new people. And you know, it's not like a swing coming on for a, a day or two, which gives you kind of a refreshing but it's a whole new group yes. that's going to do it slightly different i'm sure they make some tweaks between year one and two as well a little bit i remember as with i have now i now know that with different iterations of the show uh like i mentioned with the the video the 98 uh, mm-hmm. big, you know big video and tucker is a much more dance heavy track than any of the production well the 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 revival uh, he was, he had a big dance track too, but yeah. the previous, the original choreography, not as much. And that there are tweaks like that. I think that they kind of, um, morph the, the characters to really show show off the, you know, each actor's strong suit, I think. Um, so 
I always, you know, as I said, like that kind of change in dynamic, but there are sometimes, you know, if you're doing it eight shows a week, I was one that really, really tried hard not to call out of shows. Um, and sometimes it's easier to, if this could go just like those last three or four shows, this would yeah. be so much easier yeah. than to be, you know, have a swing come in, which we know now, I mean, those invaluable parts of any company are the swings. Yeah. But, um, and some of the swings were ended up being some of my best friends on tour too, but sometimes it was easier just, Oh, I wish it was just the same. So I don't really have to think about it, but that's not going to be the way it is. So here mm-hmm. we go. Was there any in the two years city, excluding Nashville that really stood out? Or I was like, oh, this is like either really powerful Cats fans, like this this group is like really obsessed with it, or just mm-hmm. a, a fun town to be, have some time off in. Like, where what stood out to you on tour? Um, you know, I came into Cats at a really great time, uh, even though it was tour five. I think it had been off off Broadway for a couple years, and this was a big remounting. So mm-hmm. where previous tours maybe didn't have the best schedule. Our schedule was phenomenal that first year. We played all the first run cities um, and would sit down for two, three weeks at a time. Uh, I remember Chicago being a tremendous uh, city for us because when you are there, um, you know, for multiple weeks, that means that you actually do have a true day off, maybe even two, uh, where you're not traveling. You don't have to pack. You actually can sleep late. Um, Chicago, um, Los Angeles was a tremendous amount of fun. I think that was not until year two though. Um, New Orleans, I was always, I grew up traveling a lot. Both my parents were, uh, public high school teachers. So we had the summers off. And so we always traveled. I was very lucky to been able to do that as a kid. And so tour life really suited me in that way. So Mm -hmm. once the show got up, I felt confident with it. Then we were able to, you know, enjoy Denver or enjoy Miami. Um, Canada, we did, I remember Montreal being super fun because Montreal, you know, is kind of almost Europe, but not. So that was a lot of fun. So you mentioned Denver. How's yeah. the, how's the, how's the altitude that they had oxygen backstage. For us. <laughs> um, who knew, you know, yeah. uh, but I, I distinctly remember that and it being a, you know, great you know, performing venue, but there were oxygen masks for you backstage that I made use of sometimes. Um, I think by that time, I don't remember where in the calendar that fell, but it was my, I remember my stamina being strong by that point in the, in the tour. So not having to rely on it, but I thought that's very interesting. They have, they have oxygen for us. Ready? Yeah. It's needed. I just got back from vacation there and like, I couldn't walk up the stairs. Yeah. So I can't imagine yeah. doing two and a half hours, but yeah. Um, okay. Let's do some rapid fire. Okay. If you could go on the show tomorrow for any character, forget if it's male, female, just like if you just could do one track, you could dance, it, you could sing it. Who would you want to go on as? A two part answer for that. One is it's been, you know, so many years since I played Tugger and I still very much identify with yeah. the rump of Tugger in a certain way. I would love to have another crack at that. I don't know that my, uh, you know, my body these days, I, I might could do it, but um, <laughs> it, that would be really, really fun because I think I could, I know I could bring yet another level to it. Um, with that said, I would love to play Grizabella. I mean, it's, yeah. that is the role, man. I mean, you're on stage 13 minutes. You're always in the spotlight. You go to the heavy side layer. That's the role. Yeah. Um, cat, cat number two. 
Yeah, cat number two. Um, it would be fun. I think I have a tremendous respect for uh, the character and also the actors, two actors that I worked with that played the um, Buster for Jones, Gus Growl Tiger track. Mm -hmm. um, such a challenging role there. And I do, I think that would be a lot of fun to play too. Cause it yeah. just, it's, it's a, lot, a big challenge that one. Mm -hmm. What is your uh, favorite? Well, who are your favorite and least favorite characters from the show? So cats, let's ignore our people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not, not the actors, not the actors, characters. Yeah. Um, and I, I love their number, but rumple teaser just kind of got on my nerves. <laughs> um, and I works as it's not the actresses at all. Cause that takes a tremendous talent too. probably mm -hmm. the most, you know, aerobically in shape, um, singers, dancers there, but I Tugger didn't have a lot of time for rumple teaser. Okay. Um, and favorite, I'm going to say uh, I really, really liked Muckastrap. Mm -hmm. um, I think I was, Tugger was always a little bit jealous of Muckastrap, and that I don't think translated to me personally being jealous of the actors that I played opposite, but I think that's a great role. It's kind of pleasantly understated. You're in charge. You're a tremendous dancer, very statuesque on stage, but some you could leave the show without knowing what your name was yeah. and there's something about that that i like mm -hmm. uh, so anyway Muckus i right. love how i love how tuggery answers those are like those are straight like they, they influence <laughs> your opinion so hard yeah yeah um favorite song from the show i really like skimble shanks the mm -hmm. railway cat that was Great one that one. i remember from a kid that i really really loved and that was in your book that, yes, that was in the vocal selections book yep. that I would play on the piano. Um, and then funny story about Skimbleshanks is in high school, I had no business doing this, but a tour of Les Mis came through Nashville and they had open auditions. And so I was a very, you know, good high school actor singer, but I probably did not have the chops to audition for an adult, you know, second national, first, second national tour coming mm -hmm. to Les Mis. But I went and what did I sing for Les Mis? But Skimbleshanks, the railway cat. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Not sure that was the right choice. But anyway, <laughs> such is the, life. Didn't didn't work out though. <laughs> did, uh, that did not work out that time. So I I it's a, I love hearing that because did you like literally have Skimbleshanks and memory back to back in that book? Like those are two very different paces of songs to play. Yeah, I remember so in the I probably could find that somewhere, but yeah. memory was in it. Skimble Shanks up, up, up to the heavy side layer was in it. The naming of, uh, excuse me. Um, oh, Deuteronomy song at the end of the show. Uh, the addressing is that the addressing, addressing of the cats, not the yeah. name of the cats, but the addressing of the cats mm -hmm. that was in it. It was just, I'm not sure how they picked the like eight or yeah. 10 songs that was in that book, but that's, yeah, those probably. are the ones that I knew first probably whatever they thought bet was best on piano right like if it's yeah, a piano book but probably um okay so you said i you know you said that you're a teacher your parents are teachers mm -hmm. i always ask one fun one so which mm -hmm. cat do you think would be the best teacher high school teacher mm, that's a good question jenny any dots so that's a that was my first thought i actually i love jelly alarm as the answer here i think she'd be a very mm. kind teacher she does have the demeanor of a teacher yeah, I, think I was thinking Jenny Any Dots because that would be a very like vibrant, you know, teacher. Yeah, uh, some of the high energy, and then she teaches the the mice. The, yep. The, yeah, she's already she's got experience. She's, she's experienced. Yeah, yes, she's experienced. Um, 
Okay. Most important question. Yeah. So I've, I've argued hundreds of episodes now why I don't mm-hmm. think Grizabella is a choice. Mm-hmm. Do you want to defend Grizabella or who are you stand picking as your uh, jellical choice? Okay. So uh, the Southern, Southern boy in me says, there's always a saying in the South, you know, the higher the hair, the closer to God. Right. So I thought, you know, for this platform, the higher the belt, the closer to heaven she could be. So I think that that's a justification. You know, she's got that big E flat or E natural, whatever it is, and big memory. Um, but after thinking about it, I think, and you've made the argument, but I can't get around that it's a very solid argument, that, you know, Gus should should have been the one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's about to leave us anyway. He needs that, you know, that afterlife. He needs to be reborn again. Um and so that's who's going to get my vote is Gus. So you're going Gus. Okay, I'm great. going I, Gus. Team Gus. I love it. I love it. I do like the idea of the higher the higher the hair, the closer the guy. I like that yeah. as a, the higher the belt. Um, yeah. But I do like, I honestly think that that was part of a version of that is how I first started the show, which was like, it's a competition. It's a, and uh-huh. it's a performing competition. Who was the uh-huh. most fun? Who's going to get uh-huh. voted on by America or Britain uh-huh. or whoever? And, uh, and I, I love that idea that you brought up uh, about... And I think that could be like commercially very viable, actually, is that if there's a way for the the audience to decide who's going to, I mean, it's a little bit of a gimmick, but I'm ready. You got to have I'm, a gimmick. I'm slowly trying to convince anybody to do that. Okay. It's not hard. The technology's there. Everyone's got their phone in their pocket. Yeah. You know, it's, it wouldn't not be difficult to add that layer. Oh, or, I mean, even if you just had a, not even an audience, you could do it by cheering, you could by, you know, yeah. you could do a lot of different ways to make it um, more fun. Uh, and yeah, it's a little gimmicky, but if you threw this in a regional production or a high that, school yeah. production or yeah. someplace else where you've got, you know, you're keeping 99% of the core of the show. Right. And then all you're changing is just, you know, you still sing memory. Right. You still, you still have her welcomed back, but when it comes time to when she gets walked up through the crowd, you know, through all the different cats, you pause and that's where you ask the question. And then, you know, someone else goes up. Yeah. Uh, and no, it can be different every night. Yeah. There's something to that. I think that could extend the life of a, you know, a regional production of this. Of course, I think, you know, Mr. Lloyd Weber is probably rolling his eyes right about now, but maybe, yeah. maybe not. I don't know. He's a, he's a, great businessman so i feel like he's open to a lot of stuff i mean he's definitely taken some risks in the show they've made changes they did Mm -hmm. some stuff that's not worked they've made some other changes that have been really smart they made some that some fans hate some fans love you know they've Mm -hmm. they've definitely moved throughout the 40 plus years so Mm -hmm. i don't think it's out of the realm Mm -hmm. but it is definitely more change than like making tugger hip-hop or contemporary than than some other ones you know or moving the the growl tiger you know differently because of you know the some of the insensitivities there so i don't think like i don't know i'm I'm hopeful i also uh-huh. love the idea of it being a tour because can you imagine your friends and family in nashville yes like, you're yes. going up that whole I'm that whole week. That week yes Every yeah that week i think that adds such a fun layer too for the performers of like it kind of keeps you on your toes and but to your point earlier of like some days you just really wish for the please just be the same like let's just get like this that would never be the same if you did it it that way yeah that is uh that's fun okay so i'm i've got another gus vote that always makes me happy yeah um i love kind of asking this question now let's take grizabella and gus off the table okay let's say it's next year they Mm -hmm. like let's pretend that they're they're out who's going after them who's the first choice after those two 
I mean, I got to throw my hat in there for Tugger. Honestly. Tugger's time. Okay. I mean, he's he's probably been a little too mischievous beyond you know his 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 years, and he's you know he's gonna he's gonna wear out his stay, wear out his welcome maybe a little bit. I think he could get a vote. There's also something about even though I think the uh, Cassandra is kind of like um, you know there's she's so. Um, She's going. She's going to be there forever. There's just such a, a mysterious like mm-hmm. element to her. I don't think she really needs it, but somehow I could see Cassandra being the chosen one. Okay, so she does not have many votes. Um, no, but, no. I, I mean, it's, think she needs them because she's yeah. so you know she's got her own thing going on. But something about that character I could see being raised to that next level. I don't know. Yeah. It's pretty much a two cat race. It's, Is it's it really a, it's a Gus Grisabella debate at yeah. this point yeah. with a few, few votes here and there for people that are really passionate about, all right, hold on. My cat, my cat was ready to go. And I'm like, I, I don't think anybody else is voting for this except for, for you except defending for you. your cat. Yeah. Um, but that makes it fun. Cause I, for me, any vote that's not Grisabella's is fun for me. You've spoken about um, like the the cats fans, you know, the like professional cats fans, mm-hmm. and that was that was a total shocker to me when we got you know out on the road. But I would be very interested to hear what they would have to say, you know, what they would how they would answer that question because I know they would have an opinion. I've talked to a good amount of them now, um, mm-hmm. and they're pretty split between the Gus Grisabella too. Like oh, there's a, a very team. heavy okay. team team Gus out there, okay. and then there's some very traditional. Where I've noticed that they have stronger opinions is usually on the choreography between Joey and Lynn and Andy Blakenbuehler, or okay. there's some like adamant that this relationship between this cat should be this way. Like it's okay. usually like little nuances like that, but they're so they're fun. Like they're such fun, uh, such a fun fan. They're passionate that they just kind of love the show. And yeah. so a lot of times it's like what connected to them either as a kid or like what was that first moment that they like became a fan. Mm-hmm. And that is usually a thing that they're like, no, don't change that. And that changes right. per person, um, which is uh, fun. I think like it's a healthy uh, fandom and it's a healthy group of like respecting the like nuance of the world that was built. And so it's always been kind of fun to hear the different things. It's fun for me too, because occasionally I will have a very vastly different opinion. And then all of a sudden I'll get like a couple of messages being like, well, wait a second, that's wrong. And I'm like, but you're it? wrong, man. Yeah. But is it wrong? Like, there's no, there's no documentation on a lot of this stuff here. So there's yeah. been a couple of times where I'm like, yeah, I probably am wrong here, but that's, I think that's fine. Like I love adding to the story of these characters that, that clearly doesn't exist, but could exist if you had another ball or had another, you know, what's the next day look like? Yes. Yes. So I'm curious is what made you interested in this subject? So I saw it in 2016. Okay. Um, when the revival happened on Broadway, I had right. just moved to New York. So I okay. lived in New York for maybe a month. I think okay. at that point I was living in the theater district and I had not seen, like I had grown up my mom's music teacher. I grew up playing sports. You can see all the sports behind me for the, you know, when the recording, um, I didn't grow up going to a lot of theater in Indiana. I went up to like they, they have five shows a year or something that comes through, but okay. I saw a lot of musicals, but I just saw them. I didn't know. And I hadn't seen a lot of stuff. I hadn't seen like a lot of the classical things that, you know, like everyone think you need to see. So when I got to New York and realized I could go on a Tuesday right. after work and it's just down the street and it's a $25 lottery right. or stuff like that. I'm like, why am I not going to see some of these things? Like, why can't I mix that in with a Rangers game? And like, I've got all of these, you can, like, you can I have, yeah. Like I have access to the best of the best, you know, like incredible performers doing something live and a feat that I have no ability to do. 
So I started going to more things and I saw a preview of Cats because I'd never seen it, didn't know anything about it. A friend okay. gave, got me a preview tickets and, um, and I went and I kind of had like one of those moments of like overwhelmed. What, what did I watch? Awesome. Um, and I had, you know, at that point I was overwhelmed by New York in general, like just the subway was overwhelming. Like I'm from Indiana. Like I'm not from a small town. Like I'm from Indianapolis. Like it's a normal sized city, but New York is a different beast. Like it's a yes. whole different city to live yeah. in. Um, and so I just was like, kind of having fun with what is that experience like of a new job, a new city, and then all these other new experiences. And I was sharing some of that back home and I kind of wrote and made fun of cats. And I made the joke that I thought it was the X factor cause it was Leona Lewis. And that's what started this. And then I kind of didn't think about the show again until that trailer for the 2019 movie came out. And I made the joke that I thought Griswold was the wrong choice. And I said, welcome to my Ted talk. And I kind of posted on social media and then the network that, I, that I'm a part of was like, Hey, you should make this into a podcast. We're building out more. And okay. that was the beginning. And I originally said 10 episodes of explaining why each cat leading up to the movie did not know that that movie was going to be as big of a disaster and like story as it was. Um, right. And I started meeting people who were in the 2016 uh, show and I started asking them questions of like, here's what I can't fill in the blanks from YouTube. Like what else is like, here's what I read online. How did you think about that? And it's become my favorite part is now I've interviewed 25 plus productions and wow. um, different cats from all over the world and did not realize how deep this went. Like, you know, I wasn't the super fans. I wasn't a fan. I just, I just knew about it. Um, and now I've kind of become enthralled with the, the nuances of that, like all the different pieces of this. And the fact that like, you know, you mentioned Tucker is that there's a spike in the right. show and there's like you know there's all there's a gilbert in japan and there's this and oh, there's wow. that, like there's so many weird pieces to it in a fun yeah. way that i've been almost feeling like i've become a historian here documenting this um and that's what's i find interesting and, and fascinating and why i love these conversations and i will keep recording as long as cast members still want to talk to me and i've got a lot Fair more enough. scheduled so uh yeah, awesome. people are enjoying it i hope people continue to enjoy it and uh i i think where I'll maybe stop and what I've kind of like my goal is, is if I can get somebody to do the Edwin Drew style regional production where I can go in and say, all right, let's do a different version. Then I feel like I might, I might have, uh, accomplished my, that was being a big goal. accomplishment. Yeah. But, yeah. um, I'm getting, I I've got Gus closer to Grisabelle. Grisabelle still has the lead, but right now Gus is closer. And I know that the most recent tours and regional productions are at least actually talking about this, which I don't think was a question people thought about prior no. to me. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, I'm slowly, I'm slowly getting there. One day I'm hoping, you know, Mr. Andrew Lloyd Webber gives me a call and says, all right, what's, <laughs> what, what are you thinking about here? But right. he's a little busy right now. Yeah. I think he's, he's got a couple of things going on still. Yeah. A couple of things going on and yeah, but this has been super fun. I appreciate you sharing and telling your story. I've had a blast, for me as well. uh, uh, hearing about your tugger and your, your time on the road. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. And thanks everyone else for listening to this episode of the Ron Cat Died, the podcast breaking on the catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else to listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and threads at The Wrong Cat Died, or check our website, thewrongcatdied.com.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.